0: Welcome to everyone today, and especially if you're a guest this morning. We are so glad to have you with us in service. To those that are watching online, we welcome you as a part of this service as well, and um, pray that you are blessed by it. I I just want to say a special thanks to the uh, worship team this morning. Um, I think there's at least... (laughs) Four people um, who had to basically all at the last minute uh, bow out for various reasons. One was flying back from Indianapolis last night, and the flight was canceled, and a bunch of others that were sick. Elizabeth, I don't even think, supposed to be up here this morning and ended up leading. So thank you to this group for being instant in season and out of season. Amen. Would you stand? I don't know if Mark was your mom here last week. Okay, I wasn't here, so I don't want to... It's so good to have Sister Barbara Blancid in service with us today. She has been out for a while with health issues, and it's great to see her this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 8. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse number 8. Verse 7 says, For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Today's English version says verse 9 this way, There is a real opportunity here for great and worthwhile work, even though there are many opponents. Again in verse 8 he says, I will tarry here at Ephesus until... Pentecost. I want to preach to you for a little bit this morning on this subject. You need a Pentecost. You need a Pentecost. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being here today, of being in your presence, this opportunity to gather together and worship you and lift up your name. We know that this is something not to take for granted. There are so many that don't have this opportunity that we have today, and so we thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your presence. Thank you for your spirit that is working and moving already in this place, and I pray that through your word today that you would minister, that you would speak, God. Lord, I don't want to just preach a sermon because that's what's expected. I want you to speak to somebody's heart and life today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I trust you today, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. With any verse, with any passage in Scripture, there are are things that are the primary point, the primary application, but with just about every place throughout Scripture, which to me is one of the awesome things about the Word of God. There are verses that I have read, verses that I have heard, verses that I have actually preached numerous times, and then all of a sudden I'm reading that verse again, and something brand new about that verse comes to life and and that is such an awesome thing about the Word of God. And so, again, while there are primary applications or primary messages that are in any given place, there are also other things that we can glean from that. And I think this is one of those places because perhaps the verse that I read to you in verse number 8, where Paul says, I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, that there is the probably the primary point that Paul was making here was, I'm going to stay here until the Feast of Pentecost. The Jews had a number of feasts that they celebra- continue to celebrate, but celebrated throughout Scripture, very important times for them, and Pentecost was one of those. The evangelical dictionary A biblical theology says Israel's festivals were communal and commemorative as well as theological and typological. They were communal in that they drew the nation together for celebration and worship as they recalled the common origin and experience of the people. They were commemorative in that they kept alive the story of what God had done in the exodus and during the sojourn, one of those important times for the children of Israel being Passover and the celebration of God bringing them out of Egypt. They were theological in that the observance of the festivals presented the participants with lessons on the reality of sin, judgment, and forgiveness on the need for thanksgiving to God and on the importance of trusting God rather than hoarding possessions. They were typological in that they anticipated a greater fulfillment of the symbolism of the feast. And so when Paul says, I'm going to tarry, that word tarry basically just means I'm going to stay. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to stay put. Can I tell you there's some times in life where you don't need to run, You don't need to hide, you need to just stay. The Apostle Paul, after talking about, I believe it's in connection with the armor of God, he says that when you've done everything you can to do, just stand. You know, it would be almost possible, I don't think completely, but it would be almost possible to live the rest of your life in a natural storm. Because if when the storm comes, you don't decide to just stand, you decide to run, you might actually be running in the same direction the storm is going. So in an effort to get away from the storm, you might actually be staying in the storm. Sometimes there are things that come our way and the enemy wants us to run from the storm and God just wants us to stand our ground. There's an old song that says, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And so we have this feast of Pentecost that again... I'm pretty sure that in the context, the, the literal context of what Paul is saying here, he was saying, I'm going to be here until Pentecost. I'm going to be here until the Feast of Pentecost. But there's something about Pentecost that we understand today that... Maybe Paul was actually referring to this as well, and it kind of has to do with the very last part that I read to you from the evangelical dictionary, and that is the statement that these feasts were typological in that they anticipated a greater fulfillment of the symbolism of the feast. And so Up until a certain point in time, the feast had been celebrated for one reason in one context, but it was intended to point to something else, or something else was coming of significance connected with that feast. And Pentecost is a great example of that. Because now you and I, when we look back at Scripture understand the significance of Pentecost. Because there was something that happened on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts that is one of the most significant events in all of the history of mankind. Not in the history of religion, but in the history of mankind. And I will read to you a little bit about what took place on that day. And we can go to Acts chapter 1 and verse number 1. The scripture says, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus both began, that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. That, that really could be summarized by the same word that Paul used. I want you to tarry. I want you to wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father is fulfilled. These are essentially Jesus' last words here on this earth was giving them the instructions that I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait. For the promise of the Father. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his power. But you... Shall receive power. But you, somebody say, that's me. But you shall receive. Power After the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto utter, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And I know we focus a lot on the second half of that verse that the power is to be a witness. And I believe that that is a part of what the power is for. But I want you just to notice one thing this morning. That when you receive the Holy Ghost, when the the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You receive power. You receive power. It's not just for a select group of people. I was privileged to do the second session this morning of what we call Welcome to Antioch. And, and I shared at the very end there one of the things about us, one of the things that we believe as a church is that ministry is not for a select group of people. It's not a chosen select group of people that God picks to use, but But Jesus himself said, I'm going to, uh, you as believers, you are going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. Not, not the pastor, not the guest special speaker, not some special person, but you as a believer. And so can I tell you today that when you receive the Spirit of God, when the Holy Ghost moves into your life, you receive power. The kind of power that there is no reason to be afraid of anything. The kind of power that I I I I think I've gone a long time without using this word in church, but here we go. I'm going to mess the streak up today. The kind of power that you don't have to fear COVID. No, no, hear me carefully. I'm not saying that if you got the Holy Ghost, you won't get COVID, because almost 12 months ago, I got COVID. And I believe I have the Holy Ghost. But again, almost 12 months ago, I got it. Because I got power inside of me. And it's not the disease that determines the outcome. It's the God inside of me that determines the outcome. We got two precious saints of God sitting on the very back row back there that spent days and days and days, one of them, 40 days on a ventilator lat. You hear me? 40 days on a vent. That's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to do that and come off. But she's sitting back there today and another one that was on a ventilator. for Why? Because those are two people that receive the Holy Ghost and they've got power. I can't, I wish I could, hear me, I wish I could tell you today that when you are born again, there's no more problems, there's no more issues, and there's no more sickness, there's no more, I can't tell you that today, I can't truthfully tell you that. But what I can tell you is if the Spirit of God is living inside of you, you should have the confidence to know your life is not determined by chance. Your life is not determined by some cosmic being, but God is in control of your life. And God determines the outcome of whatever it is you go through. Because when you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got power psalms 91 says he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty i I know we're mostly old people here today older people all the young folks especially the young guest of us are down in sunday school but some of us, surely, we can still remember a little bit back to the days on the playground as a kid when another kid was starting to give us a hard time. What was the solution? I'm going to get my dad. I'm going to go get my dad. And the other kids say, well, I'm going to go get my dad. But then you respond, you say, I don't care. Because my dad is bigger than your dad. That's not always the truth. I know I'm not always bigger than my kid's dad. I'm just an average sized guy. But can I tell you today my dad, my heavenly dad, he is bigger. In fact, he's bigger than anything. The Bible says in Job that he hung the world on nothing. I don't have the ability to hang something on nothing. An illusionist will make you think he suspended something with nothing. But it is an illusion. But God said, let me show you how big I am. I'm going to take the world, and I don't need any strings. I don't need any cables. I, I'm i just going to, with my word, hang the word, the world. The Bible says in Hebrews, I'm, I'm off my notes, but I'll get back to them, I think. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the worlds were framed by the word. I don't have a frame with me today, but just imagine, use your imagination for a moment that that this part right here was a frame, like a picture frame. If the word frame, I know that part of that is a literal that God spoke with His words and created You're sitting here today, and you believe in evolution. I'm sorry, we don't believe in evolution. In fact, I heard somebody say recently, and I think this is pretty true, it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does in creation. Because to believe that all of this got here by accident, to believe that you and I got here by accident, That takes a lot of faith because we all understand that for everything we see, somebody made it. So I don't think you and I came from the monkeys and we came from some single cell, whatever. I believe that God spoke creation into existence. And then God reached down and formed man from the dust of the earth. And so you and I are here, not here by accident. You and I are here by a divine design. And with that divine design, there is also a divine purpose for your life you don't have to raise your hand and acknowledge this because if this is you it probably would be a little bit embarrassing but there is a good chance in a group this size that somebody here today your parents told you you were an accident i i'm sorry i cannot i've got four amazing wonderful kids they're not kids in the sense of children but at almost 50 years old i'm still my dad's kid so I cannot imagine telling my kids, you were an accident, you were a mistake. Now, unplanned is one thing. <laughs> I mean, we had the first one and wasn't too long after that. My wife's telling them we got another one on the way. wasn't too long after that, we got another one on the way. Four kids later, I'm not telling you they were all planned, but not one of them was a mistake. But the bottom line and what is most important is this. It does not matter what some human being says. There's only one that determines for life to come into existence. Not every act that can produce a child produces a child. So you're not here by chance. Your life wasn't by an accident. It's because there was a creator that decided you were going to be born. So back to creation. The worlds were framed. He spoke and it came into being. It says that the things we see came from things we didn't see His word. But but in the context of a frame for a picture... Part of the re- you don't have to have a frame to put a picture on a wall. All well, you need some scotch tape, a couple of nails, a couple of thumbtacks. Sometimes you'll spend almost as much on the frame as you did on the picture, because that frame helps bring definition and focus. So if your world is framed by the Word of God, that means anything that is contrary to the Word is outside of the frame. There used to be, in, 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 the, in the mall, there was a place, this is years ago, I think actually back even to my late teens, it was a, there was a store in the mall that was a, it was a... In fact, I think they did some custom framing, but they also sold pictures. And for a little while, there was this really popular deal where there was these pictures that when you look when at first glance, it looked like nothing. It just looked like a bunch of chaos. But the deal was, if you stood about two or three feet away, and you, you focused on that picture, and actually part of what I think you kind of ended up doing was not focusing. To the person walking by, you look kind of goofy. Because you're standing there staring at what seems to be chaos, but then it gets even worse. Because after a few moments, you start going, Oh, look, there's the Statue of Liberty. And everybody standing around is wondering if you've got a fever and you're not feeling well. Because as you begin to focus differently, you saw that in what looked to be chaos, there was actually something very intentionally formed. I wish I had a little help this morning. I know some of you look at your life or your world and all you can see is chaos. But let me tell you something. You just need to stand for a few minutes and stare at the Word. Because there is some order. There is some direction. There are some things that are in the Word. That no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're facing, no matter what's going on in our world, if you will frame your world by the Word... There can be peace. No matter what's going on, there can be peace. No matter what the outcome think you think it's going to be, there can be an assurance that says, God is in control. So back to Acts, he tells them, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait. Then in chapter 2, Verse number one, we see what happens as a result of their waiting. And when the day of Pentecost, the feast, the feast that I talked about at the beginning, when that day of that feast had come, they were all with one accord in one place. gave them utterance. So I wonder if possibly when Paul tells them at Ephesus or tells the church at Corinth, I am going to stay at Ephesus until Pentecost. Maybe Paul wasn't talking about, I'm going to stay here until the feast comes. Maybe what Paul was saying was... I'm going to stay here until what happened in Acts 2 happens here. Because if what happened in Acts 2 will happen here, there is no problem that is too big for the Holy Ghost. There is no bondage that is too great. There is no addiction. There is no broken life that is too great for the power of the Holy Ghost. And so if we can just get to a Pentecost that when the outpouring of the Holy Ghost comes, it comes with power. Power. I know this is before the Holy Ghost was poured out, but this is the one that represented that power. And so let me give you just one example of what that power can do. Mark chapter 5 and verse number 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, this is Jesus and the disciples, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains because that he had often he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. They, they couldn't deal with this guy. They had no answers for him. Everything they tried failed. Look at the first word of verse 8. Oh, excuse me, verse 6. I'm looking at the wrong place. But. But. They tried everything they could to tame him. They tried everything they could to control him. But it couldn't do anything. But when he saw Jesus afar off, the same guy that they could not deal with runs and worships Jesus. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, and the thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he said, And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding and all the devils besought him saying send us into the swine that we may enter into them and forthwith jesus gave them leave and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea they were about two thousand and were choked in the sea i i understand maybe for some of you you're like that's some crazy far out stuff i let me tell you something, in case you don't know it, the spiritual world is just as, if really not more real than this natural world. Because before the spirit excuse me, before the natural world was ever created, God, who is a spirit, was already in existence. So if you think that angels and demons and all of that stuff is just some crazy made-up thing, something that's good for Hollywood films, I'm sorry, there are angels and demons. There is a spiritual battle that is going on right now. In fact, for every single one of us in this place, there is a spiritual battle that is being fought for your life. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness are constantly fighting for your life. Verse 14, they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see what was done. Now watch this. The same guy that they couldn't control chained him up. He broke the chains, cries night and day. Torments, all of them. They couldn't do anything with him. After he encountered Jesus. They come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. And had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. This one that was so tormented. This one that nobody could help. When he got to Jesus, Jesus not only did for him, but at his request. I, I don't think that man was asking them to bind him and chain him. But when he saw Jesus, that what was inside of him, as powerful as it was over all of those natural things, it was not greater than the power that was inside of Jesus and you know what's interesting? It says, we read, it says, you know, they, he, he, was, he was doing all this crazy stuff and they couldn't do anything with him, but it doesn't really sound like from what we read they were really bothered by that. Look at the, look at the last part of this verse. The same guy who did all that crazy stuff, they now find him sitting in his right mind with Jesus and they were afraid What you're afraid? Why why are you afraid? <laughs> you would think you would be joyful. You would think you'd be excited to see this guy that you couldn't do anything with. He's now sitting in his right mind, under control controlled. They were afraid. Although I I don't know. I One thought I have on the reason why they were afraid is because maybe they knew I got some stuff inside of me that really needs to be subjected to him, but I don't know that I want to give it up. See, God's never going to force you to do anything. God's not going to twist your arm and make you do He's not. Now, I tell you what He will do. He will mess with your world. He will mess with your circumstances. To try to get you to make the right choice. But ultimately, He will not force you to make the right choice. But back to the real... Important point of this in the context of today. That power that was said in Acts was going to come upon you. That was a sample of that power. Because the one who faced this man and got him to his right mind was the one who was going to be poured out on them in a few days. And so therefore, the same power that Jesus had to subdue that legion of demons in that man is the same power that you and I have when the Spirit of God comes to dwell in our lives. Same God, same power. So, what what is that all about? Of course, there's... could spend all day long, but let me just give you one thing that I think is a great summary, and that's found in Luke chapter 4, verse number 16. Speaking of Jesus, it says, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. Now this, this, is, this is Jesus reading to this group that day what he had come to do. Can I tell you today what Jesus read to them that he had come to do that day is the exact same thing that Jesus is still doing today. And so he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight, the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Let me read the New Living Translation to you, verses 18 and 19. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. Can I tell you that there are some people here in this place today that you are living as a captive. Oh, it may be something different than what others are living captive too. But there are people in this place today that are living captive. Some of you are living captive to some kind of an addiction in your life. Others of you are living captive to past disappointments or past failures. But can I tell you today that Jesus Christ came so that whatever it is that's holding you captive, you can be released. He came so that the blind would see, that the oppressed would be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come, when the Spirit of the Lord, when the day of Pentecost comes, when Pentecost comes in your life, whatever it is that's got you bound, you can be free from. Whatever it is that you've been living captive to, you can be set free from. Whatever broken heart that you're living with, because of the things that you've been through in your life, when Pentecost happens in your life, you can get a brand new heart. Hallelujah. This past week in Indianapolis, Indiana, was the general conference for the organization that this church is a part of. And my wife and I, and Nathaniel and Elizabeth went, and what an awesome week it was. I I'm not the best at estimating numbers, but I would say somewhere between six to 8,000 people were gathered each night, especially for the conference. And, and on Friday night, I think it was Friday night, yeah, they the choir sang a song. It's a song uh, we, we've sung here before. In fact, I think the youth choir did it, if I'm not mistaken. It says, when I shout, know I'm shouting from a heart that's been set free, I can't remember all the words offhand, but in the course of that song, they had three or four different people get up and share about a sixty second two minute testimony. One guy got up there I don't remember all the details of it, but one guy got up there, and some of them reposting it on Instagram helped me out if you can remember. I think it was fourteen years ago, I think he said. 14 years ago he was lying uh, unconscious about to die overdose from uh pain pills he had an addiction to and and the paramedics were there working and his mother who was a praying woman was there and again I know this may be weird to some of you but it it it's scripture so I'm um, she just she told the devil you can't have him God's got a purpose for him and this guy who had was about to die, had all kinds of problems and issues, stood there Friday night, 14 years later. And back then when that happened, there was a church in his area, Pentecostal Church he went to. They had an addiction recovery program. He went through that program. God delivered him. And today, that church that he became a part of through those circumstances, he is now the pastor of that church another guy got up there i think he had been said he'd been stabbed several times and shot a bunch of times about to go to jail for a long time somehow God intervened and years later he's now pastoring a church someplace that's what i'm preaching to you about today I don't mean to be unkind, and please don't take this as being judgmental, but there is way more to becoming a part of the church than just a simple profession of faith and expressing that I accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. If you've done that, I I, I respect you for that, and that is a step of faith. But can I tell you today, there's more than just simply an expression of accepting the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior. You can have a Pentecost where according to what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you can be born again. Born again. Again. Paul said, "If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new." We, we got any, we got any thrifters here? Any, thrift, any, yeah. I see. I don't know if that's some of y'all probably are, and that's just not the turn. Anybody goes thrift shopping? You like going through Yeah, I got several of you there. I don't a couple of my kids, boy, they are love going thrifting. I got a picture Timothy sent me. Timothy's one's got the worst addiction out of the whole group. He's going to college in Stockton, California, and apparently they've got some amazing thrift shops out there. And the other day he sent me this picture of what was supposed to be some six hundred dollar pair of loafers that he got for like twenty dollars, I think. You know what you do when you go to the thrift store, or if you go to the used car lot and buy a car? What do you usually tell people? You want to see my new clothes? You call your friend, hey, guess what, I got a new car. You did, what'd you get? Oh, I got a Pinto. What year? 1965? Wait, you just said you got to... Because that's... That, I think it's still there on Forest Drive consignment shop called New to You. Because if you go to Goodwill, and I, I was so blessed. We, we, we don't have a lot of money now, but when, when we were going through the stage of small children, we didn't have any money. And so thankfully, my wife was not obsessed with name brand stuff and whatever. And who knows how many clothes my kids wore from consignment shops. Every now and then she'd come home. Guess what? What? I got some new clothes for the kids. The bottom line is there's a difference between new to you and new, as in brand new. There's a big difference. Can I tell you today that when the Apostle Paul said, if any man's in Christ, he is a new creature. He's not talking about a consignment shop creature. He's not talking about a new to you creature. He's talking showroom 2022 model, brand new. You know what? The world, people of this world try to do a lot of good things. There are a lot of things people try to do that is so good. Good intentions, good efforts. But in some areas, some notable areas in our world, the statement is, whatever you were, that's what you always will be. If you were an alcoholic and you no longer drink, then you are now a recovering alcoholic. Can I tell you today, the Word of God Offer something much better. Because Paul says, such were some of you not such are some of you such were some of you but you have been washed you've been justified you have been sanctified you have been made clean by the blood of jesus christ and you are a brand new creature I know I'm the pastor. I know I'm the pastor here. But I'm sorry. I can't fully explain this to you. I'm just being honest. But back there, just through that big window, is a baptistry. Underneath all that fancy granite or whatever it is, is just an old galvanized horse trough. For years, when you got baptized here, that's what you saw, the horse trough wasn't fancy like it is now just regular old water there's nothing sprinkled in the water to make it holy water it's just water as i've said a few weeks ago sorry for being a little whatever but in the past we we didn't have the nice filter and all that sometimes it it was anything but holy water It was a little bit dirty water. I hate to say it. Oh, God, momentary blindness. Please, Lord. But according to this book, when you go down in that water, not to be that water, obviously, but when you are baptized, you can get baptized back there. You can get baptized in the Severn River. Brother, Sister Evans baptized some precious folks a couple of weeks ago in the Severn River. Bishop Wright used to baptize them in the Severn. In fact, I Sister Regina Pratt's funeral a week ago, one of her brothers, I met him at the end of service. And when she first came to Antioch, he came with her and he told me he got baptized in the Severn River in winter. You know you want to be baptized when you're willing to get baptized in the wintertime. But according to this book, when you are baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins, according to what Paul says, you now put on Christ. And you are now a brand new person. Old things passed away. All things new. I, I, I'm trying to quit. Somebody needs to hear me for a moment you haven't been baptized and you get baptized today and there's no better day to do it than today I'm not saying that when you come up out of that water that you're going to become this perfect person there have been people that when they got baptized they had been addicted to drugs or alcohol and the instant they came up out of that water they never had an issue again But it hadn't happened that way for every single person. So you say, well, if if I'm a brand new person, how come I still have some struggles? How come I still have some problems? How come everything hasn't completely gone away? Because God is so confident in who He is and what He can do. Paul says it this way. God calls those things that are not as though they were. Right back there on the wall, there's some blueprints for the foyer that's being built outside. That's an image of what's being built. The architect sees it, knows what's going to happen. He's got it in mind. And so when we are born again, what the scripture is saying, you being brand new is so settled In God's mind, he's going to call it as though it's already happened. So that's why you may still have some stuff you're overcoming. But that doesn't mean your experience wasn't real or that God has treated you any differently Sometimes he leaves a little more in some than others because that's what helps us stay focused on the fact that I need you. Because if he were to fix everything for some of us at one time, we'd be so happy to be all fixed, we'd forget about him. Just because you may not feel like you are perfect and brand new, the work that has been done is so certain to God He calls it done from the beginning I shared these verses this morning in the Welcome to Antioch session, some of my favorite verses 1 John 3 and 1 I I wasn't going to read this, wasn't in the notes but here I am 1 John 3 and verse 1 says this Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. What does that now refer to? It refers to when we are born again. Is there anybody here today that you are either a son or a daughter I got a question what did you do to become that what did you do to become a son or you did something you, you yes you did you did one single thing. <sighs> When you breathe, you were at that moment. Now a son or a, You didn't go to college. You didn't have to go through some course to be... You were born. When you and I are born again in that moment, we are sons and daughters of God. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You are in that moment a child of God. Listen to what he says. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. I'm so thankful today That there's a lot of areas in my life I can say I am not what I used to be. But I also know I'm not everything that I'm going to be. Because the Spirit of God is at work in my life, molding me and shaping me into what I'm going to become. But again, God knows where I am but he sees what he's making me and to him it's as though it's all ready done one more point i think here's here's a challenge that we have there's there's the scripture says in one place that he He casts our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. In another place, he says he casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. Why did he say east and west and not north and south? Because you can only go so far north and you reach the North Pole. And then you start going south. So there is a fixed point, a fixed amount of space between north and south. But if you got in an airplane today that had an infinite supply of fuel and started flying east, when do you start going west? As long as you're flying east, you can fly east and never meet west. To go west, you got to turn direction. So he says, I cast your sins so far from me that there is no defined distance. The one that has the right to hold my sins against me is the one who says, I'm going to forget all about it. When you repent, when you're baptized, after you're baptized, and you make more mistakes, and you repent again, He casts it as far as the east is from the west. But listen to me. Here's the problem. There is no place in Scripture that promises that you and I will ever forget our sins. It's not there. In fact, most of the time, we don't. And the enemy, who is the accuser, uses our past against us. And then when we remember our past, Oftentimes we start to question his forgiveness. I know I've been going a little while, but somebody needs to hear me. The fact that we remember causes us to question, because surely if I remember, the one who knows all things remembers. But the one who knows all things is the one who says, I'm casting it into the sea of forgetfulness." So oftentimes our response is when that voice starts trying to beat us down, we start to accept that and begin to question and doubt. But really the response should be when he starts to do that, you know what, I did make those mistakes. I did commit those sins. And that's just a testimony of how great and how awesome God is. A little over a year ago, I had an encounter with a table saw. My right thumb ended up getting seven stitches. And for weeks, really a couple of months, I was extremely protective of that hand. And a couple of times in the process of that healing, I accidentally would bump it on something. I didn't cuss. I can't tell you I didn't want to. And that went on for weeks. Weeks and another thing that was i i I thought for sure, especially right up there on the tip for for probably several months josh there was there was just no feeling, and I made the assumption that i I guess I probably will live the rest of my life with no feeling there, but now, a little over twelve months later, I don't mind smacking it around, I don't mind it getting hit. I, But you know what I got? You know what I can feel? I feel a scar. We oftentimes look at scars, and I mean especially figuratively, scars in our lives as being this terrible thing. But you know what? I think God, God could have easily designed it that when we physically healed, there would be no sign of the wound that we had. But I think God allowed us to have scars because He was also teaching us a lesson about the scars in our hearts. Because now when I look at that scar, it is now a sign of what I made it through. I preached to some people today that there's some scars in your life that the enemy wants you to keep looking at those scars and beating yourself down. But God wants you to start looking at those scars as being a demonstration of the grace and the mercy of God. Because look what I came through. Look what could have destroyed me. But it did not destroy me. Because of the power of of Pentecost. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment right where you are. I I realize there doesn't seem to be a lot of hype and emotion here right now and it's really actually a good thing because this is not about an emotional hype or emotional response. It's about a response of faith. I believe there's some people in this place today that for the first time today can be the day that you can experience your pentecost where the power of god takes up residence in your life begins to heal, strengthen and help you and make you whole over the things you've been through, the things you've been captive held captive by the hurts of your past that have influenced your life and your decisions that today can be that day that you are a brand new creature in Christ I believe I'm also preaching to some people today you've already experienced the power of the Holy Ghost in your life but you've been through some stuff you're going through some stuff and God wants to move in a brand new way in your life today you're here this morning and You would acknowledge the Spirit of the Lord is talking to you today. I invite you just right where you are to just stand as an indicator of saying, God, I want You. I need You today. Lord, if You can set me free from what's held me captive, I want that today. God, if You can heal my broken heart, I want that today. You can set me free from the bondage of my past. I want that today. Don't just chase after one thing after the other as your solution. Don't just keep running after different things in your life to be the answer, but like Paul was saying, make up your mind. God, I'm going to stay right here until I get what I need. Until I experience Pentecost, the power of the Holy Ghost in my life. If you don't need to respond right now for yourself, would you would you look around, please? There's a few folks that are standing and maybe one of them that's close by you, if you would join with them. And maybe you're not quite comfortable to stand right now, but there is something inside of you that is in need of that power today, Won't you just, you don't have to do it in any kind of special way, you don't have to say it with any special words or phrases, but why don't you just begin in your own way to express to Him right now, if it's nothing more than just simply saying, I need you, Jesus i need you jesus that's all you can come up with to say that's enough that's enough to get his attention that's enough for him to respond to you today i need you jesus i got some things in my life that i'm captive to i've got some things in my life that are controlling me i need you jesus I need the power of Pentecost today. I need that power to set me free from my bondage. I I need that power to heal me from the pain on the inside that I live with. I need that today. Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is working in this place right now. Again, if you don't need to respond for yourself, then would would you be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord to use you to minister to someone else I believe there's a Pentecost for somebody here today I believe there's an encounter for somebody with the power of God today that saving power, that healing power, that delivering power, that restoring power in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Jesus Father, I pray right now that the words that you have given me to speak today would be confirmed right now by the work and the move of your spirit in this place. That you would touch hearts and lives right now, God. He will renew us. In the name of Jesus, those that are held captive today those that are living in bondage today, let them experience the delivering power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let your Spirit minister in this place right now, Jesus. Let your Spirit minister in this place right now, Jesus. In Jesus' name, have your way right now, Jesus. Have your way right now. Let somebody experience, not just here, but experience what it is to be a new creature in you. To be made brand new in you, all things passed away, all things becoming new. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Have your way right now, Lord. Have your way right now, Lord, in this church. I'm gonna wait on you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Let your word become a reality in our lives today. Let us experience, let us experience what your word says don't let it just be theoretical don't let it just be an idea or a concept but let it be an experience in our lives experiencing the power of your spirit to transform us experiencing the power of your spirit to make us brand new in Jesus name in Jesus name In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Whenever you need to go, you're welcome to go. Thank you for being here. Those of you that are praying, the Lord is still ministering to you. Don't be in a hurry to give him the time to do what he wants to do in your heart and life today the name of Jesus. In 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 Jesus name. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Rabashatorobo Seki, Alaramandorobo Satala Bahai. In the name of Jesus, thank you for your power that is just as real today as it's ever been. Thank you for your power that can still do today what you've done before. Thank you, God, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.